I haven't stopped thinking about my conversation with Tai when we were talking about putting, not just how to improve as a putter, but something very specifically where we discussed push putting and spin putting. And I realized that I needed to address some things. And the biggest thing that I needed to address is that spush putting, what I thought I did, spush putting isn't real. Hey everybody, what is up? It's Antonio. Welcome to episode 35 of Teach Play Disc Golf. I am so excited to have you here. I have a lot of fun things planned. I do not have a guest on the show this week, so it is just me. Hopefully you still stay because I love talking to you guys. So thank you so much for joining and for tuning in to this episode. I am super excited. Um, the show outline, real quick, let's go ahead and let's get into that. We're going to talk about, like I said in the intro, push putt versus spin putt. I have a lot of thoughts about that. I'm excited to dive into that with you. After that, we're going to have our disc review, which is on the Innova Eagle, uh, a fair, a very popular fairway driver. It's been popular for a long time, but I think with Calvin Heimberg over the last few years, it's grown even more in popularity. And then after that, we're going to talk about an upcoming tournament, not on the Pro Tour, maybe not even one you've heard about, but something that I am doing. So I am very excited to talk about that. So let's go ahead and let's get right into it. All right, everybody, before we get into today's show, please make sure that you go ahead and like and subscribe. Or if you're listening on a podcast, make sure you follow and subscribe to the show so that you will be notified of all the new episodes that come out every week. This is episode 35. So if you're brand new here, you have 35 weeks of episodes to catch up on. So I'm super excited for you with that. Also, if you're looking for a disc golf community to join, join my Discord server, link in the description and on my Instagram. There, you'll become a better disc golfer because we're all about helping each other with helpful tips and support and just giving uh, positive uh, reinforcement and community there. So if you want that, if you're looking for that, join my Discord server. And also, did you know that there's bonus content available for this podcast? Yes, Teach Play Disc Golf has bonus content. On YouTube and Spotify, you can become a member and subscriber for only $5 a month to gain access to extra tips and coaching content. We have content from Sullivan Tipton, Tai Rolatis, uh, Tanner McCartney, and future guests. We will also have bonus content. And so, when you join, you get immediate access to that. It is a flat $5 a month, so you don't have to worry about anything blowing your budget. So I'm super excited to share that with you. You got a ton of extra tips and coaching content there. And the biggest thing about it is those videos you are getting access to that nobody else is getting. So join now for that exclusive access. All right, let's go ahead and let's get into the disc golf skill. I'm super excited to talk about this because like I said in the intro, I struggled uh, or not even struggled. I didn't think it was a struggle, but for the, for years, I was like, okay, you got push putting, you got spin putting, and right in the middle, you got spush putting. And I was like, hey, I do a little bit of a, of a push style, but my wrist is engaged. And so I have a little bit of spin in that as well. So I'm like, clearly, clearly I'm a spush putter. Well, Tai came to town a couple weeks ago and truthfully, we just been talking, we were talking about a lot of different stuff. One of the things was putting and he helped me realize that spush putting doesn't exist. 
because really spush putting is push putting. Yeah, you're, you're, we, you know, we misunderstand the, the act of the wrist in the push putt and we confuse it to say, oh, we're actually spinning, but really it's just an appendage that's helping the disc come out of our hand. It's part of our, it's part of our arm, it's connected to our arm. And so it's not really doing the same thing because the big difference between push and spin is not so much wrist movement, but rather the way you load and power the disc. A push putt is up and down. The spin putt is very wrist dominant and stays inside like your gut area, your lower torso. Push putt can go all the way down to like Ricky Wysocki down below your knee to your ankle like James Conrad, or it can just come down to like the top of your knee like Paul McBeth and that kind of thing. So there are some big differences between the, these two types of putts. And I've realized that I am really dominant with one. So let's go ahead and let's break down what is a push putt and what is a spin putt. So starting with the push putt, like I said, it's an up and down motion. Uh, you are basically painting the pole vertically, okay? Think like Karate Kid, Mr. Miyagi, you know, you're painting uh, a fence going up and down, up and down. And when you load up on a push putt, you have the disc coming down low and then it's coming straight up. And your arm is kind of this pendulum that is bringing the disc up, right? And so there's this vertical motion that is happening. So because of that vertical motion, the miss is typically going to be low or high depending on your release point and that kind of thing. And also, you know, basket elevation, that kind of stuff. But the main miss is gonna be low or high. And, uh, you know, if you're really committed to a putt, we know that a high miss is not necessarily the worst thing because at least the disc had a chance. Uh, so yeah, push putt, missing lower high, painting the pole, this up or down motion. Now, the misconception that I had is that the disc is still going to rotate. That doesn't mean that it's uh, a spush putt because that doesn't really exist. You see, because the disc comes out of your hand and it is circular, as it rotates out of your hand, it's going to continue having that rotation in its flight. But see, the thing about a push putt is that it relies more on the glide and the lower body kind of putting effort into getting the disc up into the air than your wrist snapping and getting spin and rotation to create loft. So the disc is going to use, uh, the, the push putt is going to use the disc's natural glide and it's going to use more of your lower body, which is why you see pretty much all push putters bend in the legs a lot, uh, especially from further distance. The more you bend down, the more power you can get behind your push putt. Even if you aren't getting it super high, just able to kind of power this up and down motion and putting it into the disc. Now, because of this flight, I have found from experience and kind of what I see a lot of pros, uh, the, a, lot of the, a lot of the ways they putt, you're going to see mainly uh, neutral to understable discs when it comes to a push putt. And that's because a push putt is typically going to fly at a slower speed than a spin putt. And so what I have found is not only do you want the glide, but you want the disc to have minimal left to right movement. And so if you're taking a disc like the zone, we'll just say, which is a quasi mid-range, if not a full-fledged mid-range, or something like maybe the Profit uh, from Mint, or uh, a Rhino or a Pig from Innova, you know, 
those kinds of those kinds of putts, even a challenger OS from Discraft, those putts are those putters are a little bit more overstable. And so what happens is at that at the elevation of the uh, at the point at the highest point in your push putt with that slow speed, that overstability is going to come into play and the disc is going to fade out and kind of die. But the neutral to understable discs are going to have uh, some more glide and way less left and right movement. And so the disc is going to stay straighter. And so when with that push put, you want to have that vertical movement, minimal left and right movement. Now, because of that vertical movement, the push putt's also going to struggle in low ceiling situations. Uh, there are a lot, we know one of the, uh, one of the best push putters on tour is Greg Barsby. Greg Barsby has made a lot of throw-ins, a lot of deep putts, but Greg gets so much height on his putt. That is obviously an issue when you're talking about a low ceiling situation. And so having to be able to adapt, and that's the thing, push putters have to adapt their putt more often than spin putters will have to adapt their putt. And so push putters like myself, like Greg, even like Paul and Sullivan, you know, having that more vertical up and down motion, uh, Ricky, James Conrad, that is going to uh, affect low ceiling situations where you might have to have a little bit more forward movement instead of as much up and down. So adding some spin or putting more spin and really committing to a spin putt in those situations. Now, in my experience, I have found that a, uh, a, a push putt gives you a little bit more control in windy conditions and elevation in the sense that you're you're not going to see the disc go 40, 50 feet away because of a bad putt if you were to miss. Now, if you miss, it might be like on an elevated basket. I've experienced this before with a push putt. The disc just kind of dies and doesn't quite get up high enough because maybe the wind is pushing it down or it didn't get enough lift you know, whatever it might be, but I just know that means I need to put a little more pop from my lower body, not change too much with the upper body to get that. And so, but the thing about the control is I also know what to expect. Like my expectations for what my push putt is going to do in windy conditions and with elevation are is far more predictable than a spin putt, let's say. And because of that, I experience smaller misses. I might go five feet long, 10 feet long, but my, the likelihood of me going 25 or 30 feet long on a push putt without a roll away is very, very slim. And that's the thing. With a push putt, with a neutral to understable disc, getting on edge is a lot harder because the disc isn't going to fade and crash down on edge. If I took something like a Luna, okay, and I you know, was putting and, it, you know, it's an overstable putter and I had it going and crashing on edge, you know, if I miss, it could easily do that and roll away on a push putt. So that's basically what a push putt is, the pros and cons of it. Now let's go ahead and let's talk about the spin putt. The spin putt is wrist dominant, okay? You can almost negate 
lower body when it comes to a spin putt. Now, you might try and get a little more oomph behind your putt. When you're when uh, doing a spin putt with your lower body, you can get that extra you know push from it, but it's really going to be upper body dominant. You're kind of rotating the disc into your gut and then popping it out. So it's this sort of circular motion going out away from you into your gut and then popping out. So it creates like this circle in front of you. Like if you were just um, making a circle going out and in, out and in, and then popping the disc out. That would kind of be what you do for a spin putt. It's this in and out motion. Now, because of that, because of its wrist, your your arm, the miss that you're going to experience more is left or right because the disc is going to be pretty flat, maybe a touch of hyzer depending on your putting technique. So your, your, your miss is going to typically be left or right because uh, you're going to be putting nice and flat. And so up and down isn't going to be affected as much because also you're not lifting the disc up. You're pushing it out from you. You're using your wrist, using your elbow. So your misses left or right, really depending on your release point, even stability of the disc. Now, speaking of stability, in my observations and my experience, when I'm using or doing a spin putt, I want to go with a neutral to overstable putter simply because the reliability and the torque resistance, okay? I I would not trust myself to use something like a Fierce or a Swan uh, or anything in that understable putting class like a Deputy and go with a spin. I know Paige Pierce used two of those discs, the Deputy and the Fierce with her spin putt. I particularly don't like that because I find the disc to be understable. And so it, I feel like if it gets even just a touch of Anheuser by accident on your putt, it's going to be really hard for the disc to maintain that straight line that you want it to fly on. So I like the neutral to overstable um, putts for the spin putt because it has the torque resistance and the reliability while when you're still aiming straight at the basket, you can kind of feel like you can put more on it without it um, leaving the line that you want it to be on. And I think that's super important for spin putters. Now, that being said, you have this high, uh, this over, neutral to overstable disc, you're spinning it, you're going to get more distance out of a spin putt. A spin putter will have uh, an easier time putting at 45, 50, 60 feet using their putt um, and not having to change as much versus a push putter having to adjust their putt a little bit more with every incremental distance. Because if you can putt from 30 feet and the disc is clearly hitting the chains with authority and it's not just barely making it into the basket, the likelihood that how you putt at 30 feet and is going to be higher as like the way you put at 40 feet. Now, as you get further out, you'll have to put more. And depending on the stability of your disc, maybe you kind of flex the line a little bit. But really, um, spin putter, it's going to be better for distance. Now, here's the thing. Because the spin putt flies faster, because it flies, um, you know, not just faster, but I mean, it has more rotation on it and you're, you can hit it from bigger distances, that also means that your misses can oftentimes be bigger. When you're missing left or right, that means you're not hitting anything. So if you're putting from 35 feet and you miss right, have a little bit of grip lock, 
because there's not going to be anything in the basket there, you're going to go and you might end up 25 or 30 feet long, which now means you have to make the same putt back that you just missed. And so the spin putt, in my experience, you have the bigger misses, but the the uh, the upside to that is like one, you obviously got to be confident that you're going to make it, but also you'll be able to make more putts from further distances due to the spin putt. So is one better than the other? No, I truthfully don't think so. I think there are some pros and cons and depending on your play style, you might like one versus the other, but I don't necessarily think one is better than the other. I am a push putter and I like that. I've been a push putter since I started. I never realized it until recently that I was more firmly in push putting than I thought. But that's definitely where I have been and I really like it. Yes, do I find myself dealing with low ceilings at times? Yeah, I do, but I'm also confident in the putter that I'm using and able to adjust my putt, whether I need to go on a knee, I need to do a spin putt, I feel confident in it. And that's because I've been using the same putting mold for I think like two years now. And so I have a lot of confidence with the mint bullet on the putting green to adapt. So, you know, that's kind of where I come from with all this. Now, I want to hear from you. Are you a push putter? Are you a spin putter? Do you think that there is a middle ground? I've been convinced that there isn't. Uh, I used to think that there was, but I want to hear from you. Do you think that there is a middle ground? Let me know in the comments below. All right, up next we have our disc review, but before we talk about one of my favorite discs of all time, here's a message from a sponsor. OTB Discs is the perfect place to shop for your disc golfing friends and family. They have everything you need from discs of all manufacturers, major manufacturers, and even some smaller ones like RPM, Mint, uh, Clash Discs, ThoughtSpace Athletics, and many more. You can get apparel for all types of weather. They still have summer clothing and some warmer winter clothing. But also something that you may not know is you can get your own disc dyeing kit on otbdiscs.com and they won't break the bank. Prices starting, I think, at uh, $3.99 or $7.99 and going all the way up to $23 or $24.99. So super affordable disc dyeing kits that you can really try out your hand at dyeing some of your discs, figure out what kind of style you like and mess around with that. So you can check out all of that and more on otbdiscs.com and use Gladiator DG at checkout for free shipping. All right, let's go ahead and let's get into our disc review. All right, guys, I'm not going to go through the whole spiel again, but the disc review is sponsored by OTB Discs. So if you want to try out the Innova Eagle, go ahead and head to OTB Discs right now, unless you're driving, okay? I want you to still be listening, but unless you're driving, don't go to otbdiscs.com. It can wait. Uh, But today we are going to talk about the Innova Eagle. This is one of my favorite discs of all time. I threw the Eagle for years and I'm coming back to it. It's always been in the back of my mind. And I've always been like, you know, I took it out because I wanted to stop throwing Innova. I wanted to throw some other stuff, but it's always been right there. And I just see so many other people throwing the Eagles and I see pros throwing the Eagles. I'm like, I need to just go back. So super excited to be back throwing the Eagle. One of my favorite discs, if not, my favorite disc. It is a seven speed 
four glide, minus one turn, three fade fairway driver. It is an overstable fairway driver. It really is. And they come in different stabilities depending on the plastic. And with that, you also have varieties of domey and flat. Now I have thrown champion eagles, star eagles, and honestly, one of my favorite plastics ever, DX Eagle. I threw some DX Eagles back in the day and they are so much fun, so, so much fun because they beat in super quick. You get a lot of variety of flights with them. They don't have nearly as much dome. They're a little stiffer uh, than some of these more premium plastics and so they're a lot of fun to throw. And uh, yeah, DX plastic guys, um, base plastic drivers, don't sleep on those, especially if you're unsure about if you're going to like a specific mold and you don't want to spend $20, $25 on one or even $17, get it in the base plastic, see if you like it. It's not going to uh, hold those flight characteristics for as long if you keep throwing it, but it's really fun to layer and base plastic is a lot cheaper and just honestly a lot of fun to throw. So I may have to end up going and getting some DX Eagles to put in the bag and really beat those suckers in quick so that I can have some flippy, flippy Eagles because that would be so much fun. Honestly, that's probably what I'm going to do now because that sounds like a blast. But anyway, back to the disc review. Uh, you know, I'm just fangirling over here. So favorite driver ever, which is why I'm throwing it again. I find the Eagle to be great for both the backhand and the forehand. And depending on the kind of Eagle you have, I have two right here that I'm looking at. Um, this uh, bluish white gray one that I have is fairly flat for an Eagle. Um, it's not concave or anything, but it has just a good dome on it. It's nothing too... Um, too rounded on top. It feels really good for the backhand, really good for the forehand. The Barsby Eagle that I have right now has more dome on it, but it's not so domey that it's not comfortable for the forehand. Um, I do find it to be more comfortable for the backhand between the two. And if I'm gonna forehand, I'm probably forehand the beat up star Eagle that I have. But I like having that variability in the discs, even though they're going to fly the same, it just feels a little different. So I can kind of find what I like, even though, uh, you know, I try not to bag a disc that I'll only throw one way. Like this Barsby Eagle is more overstable. So if I need an overstable forehand shot, I will throw it. I threw it this past weekend. Um, I had a horrible drive off the tee on hole 18 at the course I was playing at Cedar Hill in Nashville. If you've been there, awesome, awesome course, love it a lot. Hole 18, I had a bad drive off the tee. I threw, uh, I maybe was only, oh gosh. I, th I think I got maybe 150 to 200 feet off the tee. Uh, not great, it was going into an open fairway and I just threw a horrible, horrible throw. And then I took the Barsby Eagle on the forehand and I th ended up about 35 to 40 feet, you know, right of the basket on a skip, which means I probably threw it anywhere between three and 350. And it just flew straight and then it skipped. It was a little downhill, so that helped. But, you know, I threw it on a forehand that way and it was super helpful uh, having that additional stability without worrying about this disc turning over. Because if I threw this white eagle that I have, uh, it would have flipped and it would have gone even further, but it would have turned way more than I needed it to this Barsby Eagle had enough stability to hold it. So I liked having that for the forehand. It's comfortable for the forehand to throw. 
to throw like that, keep it nice and flat and get that eagle stability out of it. So when I'm throwing the eagle, uh, I find that it is perfect stability for layering like I've done here and I want to add more. Like I would love to have three or four eagles in the bag with different stabilities, uh, but that something like that is just gonna take time and commitment to the mold, which I'm totally here for. On top of that, I mainly throw the eagle anywhere from 275 and I have here 360. Um, if I'm trying to get closer to 400, which I can't do very easily, it, it takes a, a pretty good throw for me, I'm probably going to club up um, with something faster or throw something more understable. And that's the biggest thing. If I'm trying to hit 370, 380, I'm probably not reaching for an eagle, especially if I'm throwing backhand. I'll probably throw something more like the Dome, the Guadalupe, or even cl actually club down and maybe throw the Crave if I have a good, nice line that I can work it on with a nice little hyzer flip. But uh, the Eagles, I would say, you know, 275 to 350, as low as 275, mainly because depending on the shot shape I need, if I need something that'll turn just a touch and then have this ability to fight out and get me some skip, depending on the layout in front of me, it might be really helpful to throw something a little faster for that kind of distance. And basically, all this adds up to say that this is a workhorse driver that you can throw on pretty much any hole um, that requires anything more than a mid-range or a putter. Um, the Eagle is a great, great fairway driver. There's a reason why guys like Greg Barsby, Calvin Heinberg, and other pros throw the Eagle. I still don't think it gets enough love from all the Innova players and just people in general. Um, I think way more people are need, need to throw the Eagle. Too many people are sleeping on it. That's just my opinion, but that's kind of how I feel about this disc. It is awesome. I like it a lot. I'm excited to keep throwing it. So if you want to check out an Eagle, head to OTB Discs and you can get one with free shipping when you use my discount code. Now let's go ahead and let's talk about this upcoming tournament that I mentioned. Now the, the professional tour is done. We've seen several pros post on Instagram saying, just played my last tournament of the year or I'm going into my last tournament of the year. So we're not really talking about that. I'm not a tournament director, so we're not talking about that either, although that would be really cool. I am hoping at some point in the future to be a tournament director and host some Gladiator disc golf tournaments. That would be a lot of fun to do. But I'm talking about a tournament that I am actually playing in. Now I know that a lot of you who listen don't live in Nashville, and that is okay, or anywhere near here. So I'm not gonna get into like the nitty gritty of the courses, but the main thing is I'm really excited to be, I wanna talk about this because I'm really excited to play at my first tournament since April, 2022. <laughs> it has been over a year and a half since I played a tournament. And at the in those first four months of 2022, I played in four or five tournaments. So I was playing one or two a month. So I was active. And then it was just one of those things where money was getting a little tight and I couldn't keep affording to play tournaments. And then we moved to Nashville and I was like, you know, I need to focus on my job. We're in a new area. Um, I wasn't really playing a lot of tournaments. and But now, so I didn't even renew my PDGA membership for 2023, but I did now so I can, I did it in November this month so I can play in this tournament December 2nd. So three weeks away. I am super, super pumped about that. I cannot wait uh, to play. 
I I know that I will feel some nerves being back in the tournament setting, but I am just so excited. I'm ready to compete again. I'm super stoked about it. And part of my excitement is that I know for a fact I'm way better than I was back then. Because back then, in April 2022, my backhand still sucked, okay? And I was mainly throwing forehands 90, 95% of the time. So I was uh, throwing a couple 900 plus rated rounds, only forehand. And so... Now I feel like, okay, I'm a better putter. I have a better, even better approach game. My forehand has remained consistent. For the most part, I haven't been practicing it nearly as much, but my backhand is so much better. And the backhand just has a much higher ceiling than the forehand on what you can do when playing a course. So I'm really excited to tackle this course because I realize um, both on UDisc and on the disc golf scene, the course that we're playing for this tournament is actually what people are saying is beginner friendly. There are some shorter technical holes on the front nine, but then it really opens up on the back nine. And you'll have a couple longer holes near the end of the course, near the end of the round, I guess like hole 16, 17, 18, that area where it's a little bit longer. So it seems like going under par and going several under par is what it's going to take to win. So I'm super, super excited. Now here's the downside to this. I talked about this in the class in session. I'm changing my bag, like 90% of what I'm throwing, and I have three weeks till the tournament. So that's the first thing. But it's all discs I've thrown before, so I'm still really excited about that. I'm super pumped to throw them into play. But here's what I think is going to be even uh, the bigger challenge, is that I am learning a new course. I have never played this course before. The first time that I will get to play this course is the day before the tournament. (laughs) So I'll be heading out to the track, testing out the discs on the course, figuring out what I'm going to do, because I have found that uh, the first time I play a course is typically the worst I will do. And based on what I've seen online, this course looks like it should be fairly simple and straightforward and easy. So I'm hoping that I can go a couple under par when we go play. But you know, having this mentality that I'm, guaranteed to go under par is something I'm going to be very careful about because nothing's guaranteed in disc golf and so nothing's guaranteed in life. So I want to have the mentality of just because it may seem easy to other people, I need to attack it. I need to make my putts. I need to throw smart shots. So I'm really, really excited to go and uh, sort of test out this course, figure out what I'm going to do so that when I show up on Saturday for a two round tournament, I can play to the best of my ability. Now, if you want to know how to learn a new course, especially for a tournament, go ahead and comment down below, reach out to me on Instagram, let me know that you wanna hear more about that, like this video, and that will help me know that, hey, this is something that the people want to hear about. So remember to go out and teach somebody how to play disc golf this week, guys. It's super important that here at Teach Play Disc Golf, we encourage and teach people how to play to improve, whether that's in person, virtually, over the phone, whatever. Be an encouraging, uh, give an encouraging word to a friend or family member to teach them how to play. Make sure that you yourself go out there, play some disc golf, have some fun. I'm still getting used to it being dark at 4.30 here in Nashville. So it's taking me some time. I'm really only able to play on the weekends, but I'm still doing it. Make sure you do it too. 
That's all I have for you today, everybody. I hope you enjoyed episode 35 of Teach Play Disc Golf. And if I don't get to you before Thanksgiving, happy Thanksgiving and have a great round. Thank you.